In your work as a nurse, whose shoes have you metaphorically walked in so that you can be your most compassionate self? Let's talk about compassion and walking a mile in another's moccasins right here on episode 220 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hello and welcome to The Nurse Keith Show. I am so grateful you're here, whether it's your first time tuning in or you've actually been hanging out with me here on the airwaves for months or years. Thank you for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is, as always, all about you and your nursing career, and I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, and beyond. And did you know you can leave a rating and review for The Nurse Keith Show over on iTunes and Apple Podcasts? That's right. It really helps other people find the show. And if you did that for me, pretty please, I will read your review and thank you on air if you let me know that you posted it. Meanwhile, if you want to see the show notes for this episode, you can follow along at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 220. As nurses, we're often in the mode of doing. We hang IVs, we check vital signs, give treatments, dole out medications, do home health and hospice visits, and we tend to multiple tasks, whether in the acute care setting, the nursing home, patients' homes, schools, wherever you happen to be working as a nurse. And when we're doing those tasks, we're generally wearing our metaphoric and literal nursing shoes. So in the midst of the tasks that you need to tend to throughout your shift, a patient might voice a complaint, a concern, a worry. They might verbalize or demonstrate anxiety. And depending on the general trajectory and tenor of your day, that patient's needs are either going to draw you into empathic conversation, or conversely, they can cause you stress, impatience, and maybe sometimes even exasperation. When you're busy, when you're overwhelmed, a patient's emotional frailty and neediness might be the last thing that you feel you can handle. And in those moments of impatience and stress, you're certainly wearing your nursing shoes, the literal ones or the metaphoric ones. And although those shoes may generally come laced with compassion, and that is a pun that is certainly intended, is your store of compassion always open for business or are you not always able to be as present as you'd like to be? At this point in the 21st century healthcare milieu, whether you're in acute care or not, staffing issues, overwork, stress, anxiety, all of these issues come to bear. And I hear stories from nurses from all over the world and from all walks of the nursing profession and people outside of the nursing profession as well. So 
Say you're working on a med surge floor and you have a patient who's being prepared for surgery. You have a lot of things to do and so much documentation to take care of between the IV alarm, the INO sheet, the other call bells that won't stop ringing, the folks that you have to supervise and help to get their work done, CNAs, aids, etc., the constant feeling that you just can't keep up. Your patient begins to tell you how frightened she is about the surgery. She looks at you beseechingly, imploringly, and you have a choice to make at that moment. Do you brush her off, ignore her pleading, her frightened eyes, and do you run down the hall to your next patient? Or do you take a moment, take a deep breath, sit on the edge of the bed, grab her hand, and give her the tension she needs so that you can calm her down enough so that she'll be ready for surgery and not overly stressed or anxious? I'm sure you can think of moments where a patient wanted something from you and the last thing you wanted to do was heed their request. You're probably pulling your hair out in that moment and maybe you've even turned your back on a patient and rolled your eyes or sighed either audibly or inaudibly. The patient can pick up on these sorts of cues sometimes, even if they can't see or hear what you're doing, they can sense it in you. and. I'm sure it doesn't feel good to react that way, but sometimes the situation pushes you into a corner and you do feel exasperated. You do feel impatient and you feel a lack of compassion in that moment because you just have so much to do and you don't have time to sit and hold the hand of this weepy patient. So when that needful patient is really asking for your support. This is the golden moment. When you look into your heart, you take that deep breath, you put your patient's shoes on, metaphorically speaking, and you sink into her frightened reality. That moment when the nurse is able and willing to be fully present in empathetic presence This is the moment when the patient's shoes are on your feet and you yourself feel the squeeze and the discomfort of her pain and her confusion. Now, if you've been a patient before, and I have, I've had several surgeries over the last few years, I've been in the ER several times, et cetera, et cetera, you probably know what it feels like when you feel that you're not being listened to, or it's very obvious that you're not being listened to. That is no fun. And the wearing of others' shoes can be the moment where the seed of compassion in action is sown in your heart. And it's a seed worthy of watering, whether it's watered with your tears or just by the simple act of being present and listening. Several times on this podcast, I have mentioned a film. It's by Mike Nichols, famous director, and it is called Wit, W-I-T, and it stars Emma Thompson, the very famous British actress that you might be very acquainted with. If you're not, definitely look up Emma Thompson. So in Wit, Emma plays a very high-level, PhD-level professor, a philosopher, who lives in her head and is very rough on her students and the people around her, very demanding, very exacting, and she contracts a very severe form of metastatic cancer. 
Now, she doesn't appear to have any friends, doesn't appear to have any family. And when she's admitted to the hospital ward, her oncologist decides that she is going to be his guinea pig for a particular chemotherapeutic agent. Now, it hasn't really been used with many people, and he convinces her that this is a good idea. What happens in the course of this film, which was actually a play first, and the film is actually staged very much like a play with only one or two scenes within the whole scenario. What happens is that Emma begins being treated as basically a sack of potatoes lying on the bed that they're just poking and prodding. So when the oncologist comes in with the residents and the interns and the medical students, they're all gathered around her bed and they talk as if she's not even there. And when she does try to voice anything, it's not really heated, whether it's her symptoms, her fears, her concerns, her utter ire at being treated like an inhuman person, an inhuman object. And of course, the only person in the entire play who treats her with any level of empathy and compassion is, you guessed it, the nurse. She and the nurse make quite a connection. And the nurse does her best to protect Emma from the inhumanity of the way in which she's being treated. Even though she's quote unquote, a lowly nurse, she is able to be the compassionate presence that Emma needs even though the doctors, interns, and medical students are still running roughshod over Emma throughout her suffering and pain during the course of this experimental treatment. So while nursing is frequently task-based, of course, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, it's also a path of deep and abiding compassion. That compassion can be heart-centered, it can be spiritually oriented, but that compassion needs to be there in order for the nursing to be truly nursing care. And when an opportunity arises to walk in a patient's shoes for even a moment, you can take that opportunity, you can carpe diem, you can seize the day and fall into that place of deep listening. So walking the human path of suffering and compassion with another person allows you to also revel in the warmth and connection that's generated in your heart when you're able to be there with them in that very moment of their need. You don't necessarily need to fix it. We nurses are always want to fix things. Sometimes we can't fix the patient's suffering. Sometimes we can't take away all of their pain. Sometimes we can't assuage their spiritual, emotional, or psychological pain. But simply by the act of being present and listening and showing empathy and love, that can turn the tide for that patient. So walking in that patient's shoes, even for the briefest time, is where you get a glimpse of another's suffering You actively connect with the true spirit of what it means to be a nurse, and you can do some excellent work while you're at it. Very, very important lessons for us all to learn in the course of our careers. Now we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about walking in the shoes of your colleagues. We'll be right back.
So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support the show, you also get some pretty nifty premiums and gifts directly from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash nurse Keith. Also, please consider signing up for my newsletter at nursekeith.com so that you can receive my bi-weekly message just for you. Finally, if someone you know could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, even if they do one session, you'll receive credit for one hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit. And you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. Remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits over time. What a deal. Those are my sincere asks of you, dear listener. So now let's dig back into today's topic. And welcome back to the Nurse Keith Show, episode 220. Remember the show notes are at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 220. Before the break, we were talking about walking a mile in the shoes of of a suffering patient. We talked about the task-based notion of what nursing is. However, we also talked about the emotional, psychological, spiritual, supportive nature of nursing that we just can't ignore even when we're in pain, even when we are ourselves suffering because we're working so hard working harder than we actually should, and maybe not even providing the care we were trained to provide because we just don't have the time and energy to do so. In the second half of the episode, I want to talk about compassion for your fellow colleagues. We all know that bullying, incivility, and aberrant behavior are rampant in nursing. They are a scourge on our profession. People like Dr. Renee Thompson and her Healthy Workforce Institute are really working diligently around the United States and beyond to eradicate bullying, and it is a heavy lift, let me tell you. Despite the difficulties that happen within nursing, you might be treated poorly by fellow nurses, you might be chewed out by a surgeon or a doctor, you might have a conflict with the case manager, or you might have a conflict with the physical therapist or occupational therapist, or maybe even the housekeeping team because you're in their way or whatever. We always need to go back to this idea of walking in another's shoes. When that housekeeping team comes through, and you have made a mess that you could have cleaned up yourself, but you left for them. What is it like for them to come in and see that the nurse threw stuff on the floor because she knew that housekeeping was coming and she didn't really need to pick it up? What is it like for the surgeon who is under just incredible levels of stress? Did you know that one doctor commits suicide every day in the United States? More than 400 doctors a year are estimated to take their own lives 
every single calendar year. As far as nurses, we don't really have numbers, but I think the numbers are there as well. Maybe not as high as doctors, but who knows? Anyway, I digress. What is it like for that surgeon to have to walk into that surgical suite, look down at this open wound, this vulnerable person, this heart, in that surgeon's hands, perhaps, during open-heart surgery. What is it like for the surgeon to do that? Many of us, including myself, see surgeons as being sometimes less than human. Now, they're not necessarily sociopaths, but some do display sociopathic behavior. But if you were a surgeon, would you want to be emotionally connected with this patient whose body you're cutting open and digging your hands into in order to solve a problem or cure them? Not necessarily. And I think that's one reason why the patient's face is often screened off from the surgeon so he or she cannot see the patient's face during the surgery. And I also think that's one reason why perhaps other than sterile technique, it's helpful to cover the rest of the body so the only thing the surgeon sees is the thing that he or she is actually doing surgery on. If you place yourself in that surgeon's shoes, a frightening thought I know, for even a couple moments, what is it like for that person to do what they do? How painful is it? What does that person need to turn off in order to actually be present in that moment? Could you do what they do? And if you could not do what they do, can you understand what it feels like to do that thing? And are you willing to give that surgeon the benefit of the doubt that he or she is actually a good person? Maybe they're a little curt. Maybe they're a little antisocial. Maybe they seem to be somewhat sociopathic, not psychopathic, just a little sociopathic. And can you see that person through the lens of compassion. Now, I mentioned bullying a few minutes ago. You might have a surgeon who's a bully. That's no fun. And that definitely strips you often of your compassion for that person because they're not showing compassion for anyone else. The same goes for a fellow nurse. If your fellow nurse is a bully, if your fellow nurse teases and gives a difficult time to other colleagues or to yourself, if that bully encourages others to be bullies or to be uncivil as well, that rubs you the wrong way. Can you feel compassion for that bully? Maybe, maybe not. You can try to look deep within that person. Are they injured themselves? Are they hurting? Have they been bullied themselves? And are they just projecting that out onto the people around them? Now, that doesn't condone their behavior, but being able to see the underlying issues there, if you can discern them at all, might trigger some compassion in you, maybe not. Now, when the physical therapist comes down the hallway and he's totally stressed, he speaks very curtly to you. He gives you a hard time about one of the patients that you're sharing, and you feel terrible about that interaction. Now, you can go up to that PT and say, hey, you're not treating me very well. This is terrible. You need to buck up and you need to treat me with respect. You could say that. That might cause that PT to be a little, uh, let's say, defensive. Or you could go up to the PT and you could say, Tim, you know, you were a little curt with me back there. And I'm wondering what's going on with you today because you're usually pretty kind to me. You're pretty friendly and you're usually 
the embodiment of grace under pressure. What's going on? Do you want to step aside and just chat for a minute? And then if Tim unburdens to you that his daughter is sick, he and his wife are contemplating divorce, or his mother just died, or his dog is dying and he can't be home for the day the dog's being euthanized, it could be anything at all. Maybe Tim just found out he has testicular cancer and he's super upset. Maybe his wife has breast cancer. Who knows? If you can get out of your own way, step away from your upset, disengage from your emotional reaction. Now, this is a hard thing to do, and I'm not always good at it myself, mind you. Then you can see Tim through that lens. And maybe the rest of the day, you take an opportunity to walk in Tim's shoes. You think, oh my God, Tim's wife has breast cancer and his daughter was just diagnosed with epilepsy and diabetes. Wow. What would I do if my husband was just diagnosed with cancer and my daughter just got a very frightening diagnosis? How would I feel at work? How would I treat people? And how would I want to be treated? Walking a moment in Tim's shoes can really help you change the record and change the channel to a channel of love, compassion, and empathy. Now, I am not saying that you have to treat every single person with the utmost compassion. That is a very heavy lift. That is difficult to do. I'm also not saying that when someone treats you poorly consistently, like a bully, for instance, Maybe you're beyond even trying to feel compassion for that bully. You just want her to be fired. And maybe she should be fired, of course. But the ability to allow yourself the breadth of human experience to try to see underneath what is the subterranean stuff going on there that's causing this person or this group of people to behave in the way they are behaving, maybe that can open a door in your heart that hasn't been opened for a while. Maybe there's certain heartstrings that will be plucked that will wake you up to a different reality and a different way of being. On this episode, all I'm trying to do is say that walking in another's shoes, even for a moment, can open your eyes, it can open something new in your heart, It can teach you something about human nature, about others, and also about yourself. You know, I'm not really a religious person, but to quote Jesus from the Bible, Jesus said something about treating others as you would have them treat you. So as you walk through your days, look at the people around you. Imagine that grumpy nurse over there with a husband with a new terminal diagnosis. Is that what's going on with her? Maybe she and her husband just had a fight this morning. And that PT over there who seems very disconsolate and has his head and his hands on the desk, what if you went over, brought him a glass of water and put your hand on his shoulder and said, hey, Joseph, what's going on? Do you need a minute? Do you want to chat? So whatever it happens to be, whoever it happens to be, wherever you work, whatever the milieu is, whatever the scenario is, think about that opportunity to walk for a moment in the shoes of another person. You know, just yesterday here in Santa Fe, I was coming out of the pharmacy over by Trader Joe's downtown, and there was this young man, shirtless, sitting on the sidewalk in the heat, 
under the shade of the of the portal there outside of Trader Joe's with a dog. Someone had brought some water for the dog. Someone had given the young man a sandwich. And I could see that he was really needy. And I thought, oh my God, that could be me there, but for the grace of God, go I. And I had some groceries in a bag and I leaned down. I said, Hey, would you like a cold drink? And I pulled a cold drink out of the bag and handed it to him. And he said, Oh my God, God bless you. And I said, I don't have anything for your dog, but here's an energy bar and a granola bar. Maybe that'll help you get through the afternoon. He said, Oh my God, thank you so much. God bless you. And we shook hands and I walked away. Now, I didn't necessarily change that gentleman's life. He's 19 year old or 20 years old and has obviously had a hard time and has hit some very difficult straits in his life. I didn't change the course of his life, but for a moment, I saw him through the eyes of compassion and realized here's a suffering human being and his dog was obviously suffering as well. And I did what I was able to do in that moment to assuage his suffering, even just for the minute that it took for us to interact. And maybe he could slake his thirst, take care of his hunger a little bit with the energy bar and the granola bar. And he could feel just a tiny bit cared for in a world where he might feel rejected where he might feel that he just does not belong and that he is shunned by society and maybe even by his family. So that's just an illustration of the compassion that can well up within you when you allow your heart to open, when you allow yourself not to harden against the difficulties faced by another. Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to the Nurse Keith Show. Remember that the show notes for this episode are at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 220. I want you to feel uplifted and empowered, and I want you to take inspired action every day in the interest of your personal and professional satisfaction and happiness. And if you head over to nursekeith.com to the resources drop-down menu, you will find jobs from reload.com and ZipRecruiter. You'll find OpenMD, which is a wonderful search engine to find the best evidence-based information that you need for your practice, and lots of other great resources including Resume Genius, where you can purchase resume templates and work on them on your own, and maybe even have me help you once you've done that piece of the process. Head over to nursekeith.com and check out the resources. The Nurse Keith Show is edited and produced by Tim Hollowell and his team at thepodcastinggroup.com, and Mark Capispeason is our social media ringmaster. Please tune in again and again as we continue to explore how to powerfully elevate your life, career, and your personal growth into your very own stratosphere. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch, and this is Nurse Keith saying adios compassionately. Until next time. From beautiful, sunny, and quite hot today, Santa Fe, New Mexico. See you soon.